0: Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, I'm super duper excited because I have an amazing guest for you. So, my guest today is a seasoned professional speaker with over 15 years of experience. She made a successful exit from her first company in 2018, which was acquired by a subsidiary of Markham LLP. She has established herself as a Recognized expert in her field, having appeared on major news outlets such as KNX Radio, BBC News, ABC, NBC, Fox News, E News, and has been quoted in reputable publications like The Ladders and Glassdoor. She was recently accepted as a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, a group of thought leaders from. Different fields who to come together to support a shift in consciousness. In 2019, she co-founded Meta Physics, a company that provides consulting services and hosts shows with renowned thought leaders such as Bruce Lipton and Deepak Chopra. She has also recently co-founded Optimich and a SaaS company that utilizes proprietary matching algorithms under motivating factors of individuals that create great coherence in teams so a very warm welcome to my Public failure jennifer k hill how are you
0: i'm wonderful paul thank you so much for having me here today
1: so sorry some some of them can't read my own writing So you... a <laughs> few.
0: i have the same thing it's okay i literally whatever i read i think my husband might be the only person on the planet who can read my own handwriting i can't even read it sometimes
1: because nor- normally I print things off, but my prints are, there's a, <laughs> there's a glitch at the moment. So I've had to write things out and I realized, Paul, I can't read my writing. But <laughs> Okay, Jennifer,
0: it's perfect. It's a perfect failure.
1: What a great way a to perfect, start that <laughs> But I'm excited to talk to you. I said I was excited when, but just before we hit the record button, and I'm super excited because I, I was saying to you, the like, search in you and I, I encourage everybody after they've listened to this and watched this, that you've got a wealth of amazing content out there. And it's exciting to have this conversation with you, but it's also exciting to actually dip into your content after this discussion. But for everybody watching, listening, this episode is around obstacles to outcomes. And I think, think about life i guess in my experience obstacles are always there this podcast is a product of obstacles my own obstacles but i felt that i didn't have the tools to deal with these obstacles and meeting you is fantastic because your your content really gives us the tools that we all can dip into to kind of navigate life challenges and and i guess something that got me thinking when I was researching you uh, because you you put a book together and there's lots of content around tools is that I think for many of us we go through life I, I guess I'm using myself as a case in point we go through life without even recognizing or even understanding that there are tools that we can actually have access to that we can use to navigate and actually support us and really thrive it'd be lovely to get your thoughts on that
0: Yes, Paul. I, I often share with my clients and with people when I'm speaking that one of my favorite analogies is Batman. We're all familiar with Batman, right? Yes,
1: Batman, I love Batman,
0: He's superhero. However, the one thing most people don't think about about Batman is Batman is one of the few superheroes who is not superhuman. Mm-hmm. However, how Batman is a superhero is his super tools. So when I'm working with clients or I'm coaching people, talking to people in speeches, I'm often sharing that. What makes you your own superhero is your super tool belt. So that way, if you find yourself Mm -hmm. falling off the edge of a metaphorical cliff, which could be a breakup, a job transition, whatever it is, what are your tools? And I actually just posted an article on LinkedIn about this about a week or two ago called the CEO of life, because I went through that about, about a week, week and a half ago. I'm preparing here in Lisbon for web summit, which is happening next week. And in preparation for it, Paul, uh, our team was very excited. We spent extra money on this ticket so we'd be able to have a chance to apply to pitch. So there were three major things that we could apply for, one of which was pitching. So I'm getting ready to do my own podcast last week, and I'm about to hop on a call. And I have like, you know how you have two minutes and you kind of check your email for a
1: second
0: before you're hopping on? And I see this email that comes through that says, Startup Showcase, your company has been chosen and approved. And I'm like... (laughs) this is amazing. We get to pitch a website. This is the best thing ever. So I hop on the call with my guest and I even have to tell Paul, I'm like, Paul, I'm so elated. I just got the best news. So we go through the interview. It's amazing. And I'm high on life. And I go back to my email afterwards, because now I want to read the email more thoroughly, Paul. Another email came in right above that one, like 30 seconds after I went on to do the interview with my guest. And it said, you were unsuccessful in being selected for pitch for Web Summit. And I was crestfallen, Paul. I was like, Mm -hmm. what's this other thing? So the startup showcase, albeit wonderful, is not the same as pitching. So I had gotten the two confused. And so I just felt crash, Paul. I was like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing with my life? I was just really feeling downtrodden. I put hours and hours into recording the pitch. I spent a whole day doing it. And I just felt like a complete failure, Paul. So Mm -hmm. I did exactly what I would encourage anybody else to do. It was my tools that got me through it. So first, Mm -hmm. you know, I asked for support. I think that's one of the biggest things that so many of us don't feel like we have permission, either culturally or just how we were raised environmentally. We have a hard time asking for help. So I asked my husband, I said, honey, I just need you to hear me out. I'm just feeling really downtrodden about this. I tried calling my mentor, David Guillaume, brilliant man, who we have a deal where I call him five times a year and we have a three minute call, which changes my life. But nine times out of 10, I, I can't reach him because he's so popular and prominent. So I called David, of course, to no avail, can't reach David. And I was like, what are my super tools? So I immediately started doing the things that I knew would reground and center me. Cause I had seven hours of back-to-back calls till 10, 11 at night that night after this, I got this email. So I was like, what am I gonna do? So fast forward, Paul, I was like, okay, what can I do? I'm going to do some breathing exercises. I'm going to do a power bath. I literally had like five minutes in between calls. So I start a bath for myself, do a power bath, listen to a meditation that's four minutes on self-compassion, on insight timer, started making a list of the things I was grateful for, dust myself off and dive back into seven hours more of calls. So about three hours into the calls, I'm in the middle of a call and I see David, my mentor's number and um, face pull up on the phone. I was like, oh, "Okay, excuse me one minute. This is a call." Okay. I so I pause the call I'm on, get on with David, and I said, "David, here's the rundown. I'm feeling like a failure. I'm wondering if I should be an entrepreneur. What am I doing?" And David, he's a Kabbalistic spiritual teacher, so I have many different teachers, some of whom are spiritual, some of whom are business, and David's a little bit of both. So David says to me jennifer it's the person with the strongest consciousness who wins your only job whether it's this or any other product you create is to create a storm of certainty around this product and so that way, no matter, like energy has to go somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Einstein we know energy can't be created nor destroyed. Energy has to go somewhere. So he said, Jennifer, create a storm of energy around this product. So whether it's this or something else that takes off, this energy has to go somewhere. And he said, I want to share with you one more thing. Right before you are about to hit the biggest breakthrough, On the spiritual level, you are going to feel like your tank is on empty, like you have nothing left to give. And it's in that moment you are going to want to give up more than you've ever wanted to give up. He said, when you push through that, that's when you hit your next level. So all of this happened. And finally, the last second to last call I was on of the night, I'm on with a, a company, a software that we're looking to use for fundraising. And I'm sharing a little bit with this brilliant young entrepreneur about my story. And he said, Jen, you know, it's so interesting to meet you. I meet a lot of people and I'll tell my friends, you're the CEO of planning travel. You're the CEO of this. He's like, you are the CEO of life. You have it down. And so I went from the like lowest low to yeah. the highest high. And what I really got out of that, Paul, is that we are all the CEO of our own life. Yeah. And it's these super tools that are going to allow us to be successful, even in the darkest times. I
1: love that. The CEO of own life that may be one of your your next books because (laughs) yeah it it kind of just is inspiring because i don't think that we for many of us we don't i guess view ourselves as ceos or people of of note that are able to overcome challenges we may not i think something that that stuck out to me when you went for that lovely story is that the ability to reach out to people the, the ability to think who in my network whether it be a family member or a work colleague a mentor can I reach out to because I if somebody reaches out to me I get a couple of people I've got a friend I won't name I won't name him but he he always rings me when there's a, a bit of a challenge and he will he would kind of frame it like, uh, just ring you, just ring him to catch up. When we catch up, it's invariably a challenge. I think what what he needs to do, and I know it, and I love him for it, and I'm 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 honoured that that to kind of when we see each other, it was all good. But pandemic, we haven't seen each other, and that tends to be the relationship. But um, I know that he just needs to. He has the answers to, to my mind, but he needs to go through a process where he unloads and he talks to me, and I can just listen. And invariably, he kind of th- he finds the answers that are kind of already there, but he just needs that soundboard. And I and that kind of resonates resonated to me that I think that a lot of us, even me at times, sometimes I can suffer. With, there's that saying, "You suffer in silence," where you've got challenges, you kind of might feel a little bit overwhelmed. But if you come ring somebody, talk to somebody, the answers suddenly appear.
0: Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. In fact, a couple of techniques I suggest to people is number one, to have a list of the things that refill your bucket. So mm-hmm. when we feel okay. depleted, like we have nothing left, we can't even tap in. We're in our animalistic amygdala brain and we can't even think of. What do I need to do in this moment? So I recommend to your point, Paul, to have two important lists on your phone, an emergency context list of who are the top five people. So when your brain is just mush and you're crushed and you feel like you can't get through it, you have that list of people you can just go to on your phone or a note in your wallet and number two is to have a list of what are your top 20, 30 tools. I have 30 that are my emergency toolkit. You know how like wow. if, you're, if you're driving down the road, you have that emergency kit in case you're, you know, God forbid, World War III, whatever, the end of the world happens, Armageddon. You have this emergency kit. In the same way, you should have your proverbial emergency mm-hmm. toolkit written down. So when you're not present enough to be able to think of what do I need in this moment, mm-hmm. you can just pull a couple of tools from your emergency toolkit
1: i love that and well again researching you and, and getting into the spirit of all the amazing things you do it just really struck me that i think it's very easy to kind of for life to happen That like we're born we are raised have family go to school go to college get start get a job but we're not really given life tools they kind of don't really they're not really given to us we get In terms of these are these are accessible to us, and the the reason I say that I don't like people suffering. I don't like people to. I don't. I don't want to suffer, and I don't like the idea of other people suffering and and living in hardship without the acknowledgement that they actually they they they, there there are tools, there are things that they can use. And do you think that we should be given? knowledge that these tools that there are tools available at a younger age or, or, or almost there should be some sort of system in place whether it be schools colleges or even given parents guidance that these are some of the tools that we can give our children because because i think life can be very different when we have tools and we and we have the awareness that these tools exist
0: i think it would be life-changing paul i, I truly believe if I struggled, really personally struggled with anxiety, depression, bulimia. I had three failed suicide attempts between the ages of 18 to 21. And I I just couldn't get through because God bless my parents. They were doing the very best that they could, but God knows nobody gave them the tools. Only by going on this deep dive journey for 20 years that I learned about this. And in fact, one of my other favorite tools that my co-founder, Julian Adler of OptiMatch, uh, was my original business coach for my last company that I sold and he changed my life. Cause you know, we, we think people are being jerks, right? We think people are being obstinate or stubborn, mm-hmm. but it turns out, Paul, we are all designed wildly differently. That's part mm-hmm. of what we focus on, on OptiMatch. Though the first time that I learned about this was, was with what's called human design. And so You know, 10 years ago, Julian comes into my business and I was having issues with some team members. This one woman, I was getting ready to fire her. She had been one of my earliest employees. And I was so fed up and frustrated, Paul. I was like, she's not returning client calls. She's not doing this. She's not doing that. And so I had a list of all the reasons Mm. that she wasn't doing well, right? Well, fast forward, Julian comes in and he says to me two things that changed my whole perspective. Number one, he said, Jen, what if the reason that she is failing is because you are seeing her as a disappointment. As like, oh no, you didn't. I have a list a mile long of all that <laughs> crap she isn't doing. I have lists and lists because I was getting ready to fire her. And he said, Okay, how's that working out for you? I was like, shitty, you know, every time you have to hire a new person and virus, mm. it's a lot of pain. So he said, I'm gonna challenge you for the next week. I want you to write down one good thing that she is doing every day. That's it. Just one. Mm. So begrudgingly, very begrudgingly, Mm. I was like, fine. Like it was like spitting venom. It was so hard to even find one thing. Now around that same time, something else that he said that changed my perspective is in human design, there are five main types. There's manifestors, generators, manifesting generators, projectors, and reflectors. Now, I'm a uh, projector, which is 21% of the population, and it turned out, and I didn't know anything about this at the time, she is a projector too. Well, guess what? Projectors are not designed to be worker bees. They're terrible, awful worker bees. And if you treat them as such, and 70% of the population are worker bees, then you're going to, like so many of us, to go back to the parenting thing, we're treating our children like they should be these little worker Mm. bees where it actually creates a complete breakdown. So when these two things happen, number one, I looked for the good in her. And at the end of that week, she transformed everything, Paul. She went on to be one of the highest people in our company and was extraordinary. And it took my shifting my perspective. Number two is once we realized she was a projector, she became the manager of the organization because that's what projectors are great at is like managing the flow. Mm. President Obama was a projector as well, or is a projector. So when you get people who are good at managing the flow, she was phenomenal. It changed the company for me and for her. So I think it is absolutely imperative that we begin to consider this. In fact, funny example, going back to the children's side, I have a friend of mine who has four kids. She's uh, been a friend of mine for over 20 years. You know, we've known each other since we were teenagers. And one day I was at her house and we're just kind of messing around. I said, you know, why don't I do your children's um, human design charts? Because there's a free website you can go to. I think there's my free human design or Jovian archive is the one I use. So I go on there and I do her kids' human design charts. Well, here's the funniest thing, Paul. Two of her children of the four were projectors. Now, the other interesting thing about projectors is just like you invited me to be on the show we need to be invited we are meant to respond to being acknowledged or invited and that's how we use our energy most effectively so my friend m says to me about her daughter um i said she's a projector M, she needs to be invited and she's like oh, oh my gosh now my friend m is a manifesting generator which is the other 70 mm. percent of the population she said jen is that why Everly will never say to me, I want a strawberry mom? She'll never, ever say that. She'll just point to that strawberry over there and she'll say, mama, that strawberry looks good. And Emily's like, okay, okay. ask for a strawberry if you want yeah. Has to wait to be invited. So think of how many of these people, like one of my old colleagues who was working with me, she was a manifester. They can only work for short spur- spurts of time. But again, if you're managing a manifester, you might mm-hmm. think that they're being a jerk for the sake of it, when actually no, their battery is run out, and we're treating each other as though we're all the same. So that's what actually led to us developing the new company and developing our algorithm. Is my dream, honestly, my dream from the bottom of my heart, Paul, is to reverse the accidental adversarial relationship between mm. beings. That's my that's dream. That's
1: fascinating. That
0: way, that's what I would do.
1: That's fascinating. I wasn't aware of human design and how impactful that that is and how conversely how problematic it can be if we don't understand the relationships and people's natural I guess innate tendency and is that what you you do now is that something you do with companies in, in terms of supporting those relationships and those understandings of personalities?
0: So what we did is to answer questions yes and any person I work with like I just had a new coaching client I was working with yesterday I don't know how this happened I guess selling a company people just started asking me to coach them as an executive mm. coach so I often do that now so the first time I ever go to work with somebody the first thing I do is I pull their human design chart now our company right now OptiMatch that we created is very very simple it's 20 questions and we overlay that with you and your coworker you and your manager you and your coach, and we can tell you where potential friction points are. So use OptiMatch, or sorry, I use human design as one of the tools, which is the first thing I do to Mm -hmm. understand, because I'm going to coach a projector different than I'm going to coach a manifesting generator. But then what we do with OptiMatch is we're looking at what motivates you as a human being, Paul. We're going to take a snapshot in time of how Paul is motivated and then we're going to overlay that with anybody you're working with, any coaches, anybody. Yes,
1: okay,
0: And so that's what we do.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what my business is now is OptiMatch.
1: Yeah. Because I think anybody that's of an age that works in the company or has worked, we understand that any kinds of problematic dynamics exist. And from seemingly talented, bright people, and relationships can become fraught and difficult and people that want to come to work or don't want to go to certain meetings and and it's because some of the things that you've described can easily be or with work can be there's answers to and can be remedied
0: yeah absolutely i mean this is this is my dream like i didn't know what i didn't know mm. and so many of us like a funny analogy i've been using lately there was a brilliant woman i studied with a few years back named allison armstrong and she studied men and women for 30 years. And so what I tell people Paul in her class she said the problem with men and women is that women treat men like they're hairy misbehaving women. Yeah. And so but that's us as human beings. It's mm-hmm. not just between men and women. I might treat Paul or my husband mm-hmm. or whomever as though you're misbehaving whether you're a man or a woman what if none of us are misbehaving? What if everyone is doing the best they can? And our only intention or opportunity rather is to cultivate greater compassion that we're all designed differently.
1: Yeah, I think with that awareness and that understanding, the world would be a such such a, a better place. I, if the amount of, again, discussions and situations that happen that I've been involved with in and, and see where you get friction, you know, friction upon friction, and there's this. At times, I think there's a lack, there's a there's a knowledge gap, so people don't know some of the things, a lot of the things that you've just described. People don't know, and I think there's a reticence to kind of to kind of play ball and to kind of give a little to, to get to to give it to give a little, even when for most people, have you watched or listened. Sometimes you know when we're in a situation, maybe we maybe we're not quite right, but maybe because decisions evolve. maybe we don't want to give any ground whatsoever we want to plow on even when well, we know actually maybe they do have a point
0: yeah it's so funny you bring that up i'm just flashing back to a ceo we were working with recently in uh, the web3 space and i remember i went in so one of the things we're doing with OptiMatch is we're helping to realign team members mm-hmm. and they can hire new team members and helping to match the two people right so i we whiteboard this whole team right we do all their numbers And the CEO of this company is like, I'm not going to pander to these jerks. Mm. To your point, like, right? Like, no, I'm right. They're wrong. They're just not And so I said to him, okay, we have two options. You've just raised millions of dollars. You have these deadlines. You have certain things that you need to achieve. So either we can do it your way where you're likely going to lose team members. You're going to lose productivity. Mm. Everybody's going to be stressed. Their well-being is going to be in the toilet, you know, or... I can show you how this person might need more time. This person might mm. need a little bit more this or that. And so he says to me, Paul, he says, Are you telling me I'm wrong, Jennifer? And I try to be politically correct. I'm like, Well, he's like, No, you need to tell me I'm wrong. I was like, Then you're really effing wrong. And he's like, Thank you. And he totally turned around his whole a month later, yeah. he's a different man.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. And I, again, I'll I just labor on that point briefly just to I think that happened globally. I think where, particularly people of CEOs, founders, incredibly talented, incredibly capable. But sometimes they do need people like you to come in and and just guide them in certain areas because you can't be great at everything. In order to be successful, you need to work with people that can really plug the gaps because there's always gaps and it's about being aware of the gaps and working with the right people to to plug the gaps. So uh, I think think that's uh, something that we all, can think about and relate to what I wanted to pick up on researching for this episode which was great fun I I, again I alluded to at the start of this discussion you've got amazing content out there and I haven't watched and and consumed all of it but I came across a a video which was I think it was 101 spiritual tools to deal with uncertain times and obviously there's a book to it and we can get the links and put those in, in the show notes and whatnot but I want to take you back to I think it was probably March 2000 when you were I think you were in Paris mm. and the pandemic happened and clearly at that point there were obstacles in place that you probably had a bargain for when you decided to go to Paris so what I was keen to do would take you back to that time and you you ended up thriving after which was a, I guess an obstacle that you probably can't have even imagined what you would be dealing with. So can I take you back to that time?
0: Yes, I I remember it vividly. At the moment I'd sold my company in 2018, 2019, late 2019, I was ecstatic. I was able to actually move into a part-time consulting role where all I had to do anywhere in the world was work 10 hours a week. So epic winning, very happy. Amazing, amazing. (laughs) And I had made plans at that point, Paul, as we often make plans, right? And the universe laughs at them. I had literally booked out seven months of travel. My husband and I were going to be in South Africa, in Bali, in here, in there. So we had this magical world tour planned, right? And then here I am in Paris in uh, 2020. It was around, I remember that exact day. It was like March 11th because I remember I wake up the next morning to 60 texts from friends around the world. They're shutting down the borders to the U.S. Get a flight out of there. Get out. And I'm just like, whoa, what's happening? And so I did actually get on the first train to London, actually to specifically just be in an English speaking country, because I didn't know what was up from down. Mm. And it was extraordinary. I mean, I wound up living in London for six months, then moving back to Paris for a little bit, and then eventually winding up landing in uh, Portugal. And during that time though, one day I was in meditation and I heard clear as day, I needed to write a book about spiritual tools because I was by myself, part of that. My husband and I weren't able to, like he was in the U S and I was in London. And so we were separated for a bit and we couldn't get back together for a few months. So for two of the three months of COVID, I was by myself in London, all by myself. And I was like, wow, it was one of the greatest opportunities for growth of my life. And I spent probably seven to eight hours a day in spiritual work, Paul. And I realized one day I was seeing all these people, old clients of mine and recruiting friends of mine, and everybody was at their wits end during COVID. If you remember, mm. I was happy. I'm sorry, forgive me if you're out there. <laughs> like, I was as happy, even though I was completely by myself, I was perfectly contented. And I was like, people were asking me, How are you doing this, Jennifer? And I shared with them that it's the tools that when we have these tools, inner child work meditation mantras reflection i mean there are all these wonderful tools uh, tying into inner child work it's one of my favorite tools that i work with both men and women on so many of us paul when we're upset we are not dealing with an upset 30 year old 75 year old 42 year old we are dealing with an upset five-year-old
1: okay
0: yeah and so so often when we're in conflict with our spouse with our friends with our colleagues we're actually dealing with an upset little boy or little mm. girl or little they or them within yeah. us right? and so one of my favorite things that i teach people is to go within and spend time every day getting to know yourself and you my friend who actually taught me this about seven years ago she had been really in a horrific abusive you know family relationship when she was younger And when she learned about doing inner child work, you basically shut your eyes and you put your right hand on your heart, your left hand on your womb, or you can look at a photo of yourself at whatever age you feel drawn to. And she said, Paul, her little girl wouldn't come out from hiding behind a tree for a month because she had been so abused and so like afraid of people that it took a month of coaxing to even get this little girl Mm -hmm. out to talk to her. I see this so often, especially with the men I coach and work with. Men are taught to be protectors and providers. Mm -hmm. And so they're always out there doing, doing, doing for everybody else. Yet nobody is tending to them. Like nobody's asking them if they're okay. And so I do a lot of work with people on this and it cracks me up every time because I've been doing our child work now every day for seven years. And just yesterday, actually, I'll go in and sometimes we won't even realize at a conscious level we're sad, angry, upset with ourselves or someone else. And yesterday I put my hand on my heart and I'm like, sweetheart, that's how my little girl likes to be known. How are you doing? And she was really sad, Paul. It was really interesting. So she shared with me this whole thing that she was going through, conscious 42-year-old Jennifer had no idea what would have happened though. And I've seen this with myself and with others. If I don't attend to those needs myself, that's where we try to take and steal energy from our colleagues, our partners. we become been wanting all this energy from other people. So fast forward, it's I've seen it happen with myself. Once in a blue moon, Paul, I'll be traveling and I'll rush my meditation and I'll forget to do inner mm. child work. By two o'clock, I am having a two-year-old tantrum. Mm. I am angry, frustrated, crying, upset with somebody, and then I'll turn within. And I'll be like, "Sweetheart, is that you?
1: Yes, I am. I love it. I love it."
0: Yeah, she'll be like, you suck. You forgot all about me. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. But this is why we're really such upset human beings. And so when we can provide this for ourselves, we become the sexiest, mm. most beautiful, most desirable people for others to be around. Because I'm no longer trying to take energy. I love and cherish myself. And if you want to be here and play with me mm. in this, then great. We can dance together. But I don't need anything from you. And that's freedom.
1: I, I. I... I love that I've said that a few times I love that but it's something that I'm definitely not familiar with and I when you said about we can be a 40 year old child a 70 year old child I, I immediately thought about politicians when I see them in the House of Commons in 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 the UK and, and I guess you have the same in in the US as well and they definitely appear big children to me but, you should, but people will see that in themselves in the workplace and so on and so on so i'm just thinking that for people watching and listening that are thinking it is really resonates with me and i definitely know deep down that there's areas that i struggle with don't put i don't put potentially my best foot forward i can actually oper- i want to operate at a better level i want to to not take energy away from other people i want to give them the right energy so they can flourish as well how where should they start to kind of maybe to to engage in the right practices and to, to, to really acknowledge and, and to deal with whatever they're thinking
0: great question and actually I talk about this in the book Paul the Ho'oponopono prayer which is an ancient Hawaiian forgiveness prayer is one of my favorite go-to techniques and I'll share with you why uh, it was actually created by a doctor if I have the story right here in Hawaii who was well it was popularized I should say by this doctor in Hawaii who had a hospital filled with patients, Paul, and every day he was, of course, treating the patients. But additionally, what he did is he said this prayer. He said out loud, while thinking of the person, you don't say it to their face, you you could, but you're just saying it while thinking of somebody, while you're walking your dog, while you're cooking, whatever. you say, I apologize, please forgive me. Thank you for being in my life so that I may love you. And you said that over and over. And the crazy story uh, about this doctor is at the end of three years, they had to shut down the hospital because there were zero patients left. Everyone was healed.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. It's a cool story. If you go look it up and I will tell you, it was brought up to me, knock on wood. The only time I ever had a legal issue in my old company was there was an old colleague of mine who was a dear friend. Like we were besties. She was part of my first bachelorette party when I was younger And she came over to work with me. I was very fortunate. I had a lot of old colleagues and friends who wanted to come work with me. And she had to go on a leave. And she went on, um, my attorney told me, like, don't put her on a leave. You need to terminate her job because you're a small company. You don't have to keep it open legally. But I I couldn't, Paul. I couldn't bring myself. I was like, no, I can't do it. Even if there's a risk involved, I'm going to keep her job open. So I had her go on a leave. We paid her on the leave. She comes back. And at the end of that, she actually... um, I was running a recruiting company and she wanted to be paid on commissions of anybody who got hired while she was gone. And I was like, I am so sorry. Like, I wish I could do that, but we're a tiny company. I had to pay somebody else to like handle that for you while you were out. And so I knew the moment she was going to leave the company, she winds up leaving Paul. And a few weeks later, I get a notice from the labor board in California saying, you owe back pay, blah, blah, blah. And I was rushed i felt betrayed paul i felt mm,
1: mm, totally.
0: so from a business standpoint what blew my mind god bless my now co-founder business coach at the time julian adler he introduces me to hope and he says jen i want you 10 times a day to say out loud while thinking of this person i apologize please forgive me thank you for being in my life said so i may love you and honestly paul it was like spitting venom when i first started i could barely get the words out. so angry and this mm to your point of the best thing that we can all do to begin this process is to say this for ourselves and others. So every day I said that, and at the end of 30 days, she, and I actually sat down and had coffee. We transformed everything, found a solution that worked for both of us and we're still friends to this day.
1: Wow. Wow. I
0: share this because the biggest pain that we all have mentally, physically in relationships is lack of forgiveness for ourselves or others. Mm So if you're on your journey and you're early on, I invite you even just once a day, put your hand on your heart, your womb, whatever feels right for you, and say it out loud for yourself. Just visualize yourself and say, I apologize. Please forgive me. Thank mm. you. My life said so I may love you. And that will change your mm. life, even if you only just do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a transformative experience, story, and, and clearly outcome. And it shows the value I think what I see for you through talking to you talking to you, you draw wonderful people into your orbit so you've got these lovely I guess community that you can engage with when you need them to and it, and it goes back to the point you mentioned at the outset that it's about having that ability to kind of like when we need to to reach out to who that that right person that can really say maybe just a couple of words or maybe give a look, and that's enough for us to know where we need to go and how we need to navigate whatever, what, what, you know, we're dealing with. What, what, I, what I wanted to ask you is about your book, 101 Tools. Were those tools, was that 101 tools that you had at the pand- at, at the time of the pandemic, or were these things that, because of what you were faced with, you were like, actually, these tools that I'm using now that are getting me through this period.
0: That's a great question, Paul. And it's a two-parter. So funny story about the book. So this is only book one that's out of 101 spiritual tools because there were 10 tools in each book was how it was designed. And I remember sitting in London one day, and when I got the download, I meditate often. And all of a sudden, one day I am told, you know, intuitively, you need to write a book about 101 tools. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I don't have 101 tools. And I sat there, Paul, and clear as day, they were just like, boom, 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 boom. And really? I was all of them written on my phone. And so I haven't even finished writing the other parts to the series because life happens. <laughs> you know, here I am now building a brand new software company and mm. other things. So my intention is to finish it. And if anybody listening does want to receive all of the tools, uh, just go ahead and reach out to me on one of my websites. And I do have a list of all 101 of, of the tools. Okay.
1: Okay. Got, so, got, got you. Got you. R- like we should, rec- I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to explain as eloquently as you did, but it's almost like, when an obstacle happens or a challenge happens it's almost like receiving a letter and how do we engage that where is the opportunity within that can we can we use that experience as as a tool to 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 flourish i haven't explained it very well but i'm hoping that hoping you can pick through the bones of what i've just said
0: uh, I, I am so happy. It's so funny. I love that you brought that up, Paul. I had not thought about that story in so long. It's great. I'm so happy you found that video because I just, I'm in a flip. brilliant video.
1: I'll put it in the show notes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what Paul is talking about is there's a story. Uh, it's a famous parable of a man who gets a letter one day and the letter is addressed to Paul, let's say. And it says, Paul on the envelope. And Paul gets says it, like, no, you got the wrong Paul, different Paul. Paul five hours yeah. down, not the right Paul. Right. But the letter is actually a person, a situation, something you don't want to deal with. So again, what happens if you return to sender and you're like, ah, wrong letter, not for me. Well then clearly it is the right Paul. So you're going to get 10, 20, 40, a hundred more of these letters. And these letters are people, experiences, challenges, obstacles. And our only goal in life Paul is to open the letter to open the letter and ask, what is the lesson? And there's Mm. a beautiful story about this. Uh, One of my Kabbalistic teachers taught, there's a Kabbalah podcast I like. If you're ever curious about learning about it, it's called Weekly Energy Boost, where it gives you a weekly energetic forecast for the week. And I remember one day they were interviewing a woman and she talks about a client she's coaching. And in Kabbalah, this is where I'd heard the story about the letters first was in Kabbalah. And this one woman has a colleague who she hates so they're telling the story and the woman says i have this colleague and every day she always wants my attention going back to the news right hi how are you and she has like this super nasally voice hi i want (laughs) to go to lunch let's go to lunch together are you free for lunch and the woman is like why is this crazy woman in my life get rid of her and so she knows the kabbalistic story of the letters because she's a kabbalah student Mm -hmm. And she talks to her teacher and she says, I don't understand. Why is this annoying person in my life? And this goes on and this goes on. And so the teacher says to her, where are you being the annoying person to somebody else in your life? And she's like, she looks, she's like, I've looked at everyone. I've thought about everything. And then one day, you know what she realized, Paul, her husband worked at home. And every day she was that person to her husband. Hi, honey, let's go to lunch. I need your time. Come spend time with me, right? And the moment she realized that, Paul, the annoying woman got transferred to a different office.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I think there's a a lesson there for all of us there's a lesson there for all of us thank, thanks for sharing that when i came across that go, i, I need to ask jennifer about that so thank you and we'll get, i'm conscious of time so but there's a there's a question i definitely wanted to ask you again you talk about thoughts and filters and our thoughts can be really 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 powerful even when they don't serve us and i was keen to to get your thoughts on thoughts and the filters and how we can be more I guess, um, and so, so, so you talk about in the video that I found this uh, lovely idea. You talk about letters. So when a, when a problem occurs or situation occurs, helpful and productive with our thoughts and filters.
0: I have to give credit where credit's due on this. The first time I was inspired to think about this differently, Paul was a famous shaman named Ishmael Tete. I love, I love Michael Beckwith from Agape. It's a, He's a spiritual teacher, very famous. He's yeah. been a lot of things. And so he was one of the teachers that I really gravitated towards in my early 20s and 30s. And one day I'd been at Agape and Michael wasn't there. And so instead they had Ishmael Tete giving a talk. And I'll always remember Ishmael is up there in his beautiful, like uh, Afghan, his beautiful outfit. And he's just sharing He's like, listen, the obstacle with people in life is that every day we wake up And we put on a pair of glasses and we don't even realize it. We're unconscious about it. And we put on a pair of Mm. fear colored glasses or judgment or blame colored glasses. And he said, you know what? That's your default. You set your feet on the floor and you're unconscious to the filter that you're about to see the world through. Mm. He said, what if instead you could put on gratitude colored glasses? Instead, you could put on happiness, joy-colored glasses. It reminds me of actually a game that I'll I'll leave you with. It's one of my favorite games that I play. And I learned from another brilliant thought leader, Gary Douglas. I always like to give credit where credit's due. I wish and I came up with all this great stuff, but I want to make sure I'm giving credit to the source of wherever it came from. And Gary Douglas is co-founder of Access Consciousness. And about six years ago, I had him on my old podcast, Get Yourself the Job. And Gary said, Jen, every time something a little bit good happens you say out loud, how does life get any better than this? And by doing that, of of our conscious mind, Paul, we only have about 50 to 120 bits of information we can process at a conscious level per second, yet we actually have billions, with a B, bits of information at a subconscious level bombarding us. So the question is, what has us choose those 50 to 120 bits? And that's where it comes in of redirecting our filter redirecting and saying out loud how does life get any better than this by doing that we're redirecting those 50 to 120 bits for the next best thing versus if i get out of bed and my spouse upset me or my boss was a jerk to me i am only going to be able to focus or see of all the billions of things i could see that day those 50 to 120 bits that are going to reinforce and prove me right that life is hard
1: okay amazing amazing i I love i love the fact and it and it fills me with um with hope not the right word but optimism that there are so many tools out there that we all can readily access to really achieve and and live the life that we want to live and overcome obstacles so are there any is there an impart? there is a final question a recurring question but before before we um close out this conversation Where's the best place for people to find you? You've got a wonderful podcasts, you've got a wonderful websites. So, where's the best place for people to find you?
0: So, if you look up jennifercahill.com, is my main website. If you Google me, you'll find me. Or uh, you can also go to Meta, M E T A B I Z I C S. Meta is the website that we do consulting through. And you can also find OptiMatch, which is if you're somebody out there who wants to learn how you better match or better match yourself with your employees it's uh app.
1: wonderful wonderful i think that's I, lo- I love the idea about the OptiMatch. i didn't human design all that stuff totally unaware so that's um wonderful stuff and i guess is, is there a, a, a last comment you might have I think we've covered a lot, so most of it's, it we've pretty much done. But for anybody that wants to overcome obstacles they are in that moment now, is there, a, is there one thing that they should do or can do?
0: One of my favourite techniques that I've learned in the last several years is I'm a huge fan of heart work. And so what I love about it is it's there's nothing woo-woo about it. I know some of you are tuning in you're going, oh, I don't know about some of the stuff Jennifer has mentioned today. I'll check it out. I need to research it. So I totally get that. And if you're somebody who loves the science of things, you can look into the science of coherence on HeartMath's website. And there's a very easy technique that puts us into biologically speaking, a state of coherence which is that when we feel stressed or frustrated or like we just can't get through it, we just begin to focus our attention in the area of our heart or chest. And we imagine our breath is flowing in and out right through the center of our heart or chest as, a heart, as though our heart itself is doing the breathing. And we can do this with our eyes open, which is amazing to do when we're in conflict. They teach this to firefighters, police officers, doctors, nurses, And so if we breathe in and out through our heart, and I like to imagine breathing in calm, so to calm my nervous system, I'll imagine breathing calm in and out right through the center of my heart or chest, then that is one of the quickest, easiest tools that does not take a lot of training that any one of us can use at any moment to enhance our resilience.
1: Okay, fabulous. And that that was heart
0: heart math h-e-a-r-t math m-a-t-h so there's heartmath.org and heartmath.com they have a whole research arm of the company they're wonderful
1: okay lovely okay fantastic fantastic i will right, we'll find that and I'll, I'll put a link maybe in the show notes but th- thank you so much last question if the recurring question so if you could invite three inspirational people for dinner they could be a live or pass who might you invite
0: you know, I love to throw a good dinner party, Paul. It's one of my favourites. If I had it all my way, I would love to have our, uh, Einstein, Martin Luther King Jr., and Oprah. I feel like that would be one of yeah, the most engaging, yeah. interesting dinner parties yeah. ever.
1: That would be That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Jennifer, it's been a huge, huge, huge honour to have you on the, uh, My Perfect Failure. I've loved uh, all the polls that you've brought to to, put to the conversation, and all the things that I've learned. And uh, I will carry on. Um, there are in your context because there's so much of it out there. And I'll put links and so forth on the show notes. So thank you for your time today.
0: Well, thank you, Paul. The pleasure is all mine. And I hope that somebody out there, maybe you got a little gem or it sparked an interest in you. And may you have a little bit more resilience and strength so that whatever life throws at you, it becomes an opportunity rather than an obstacle.
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah, love it, love it. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of My Perfect Failure. We're always looking to grow the show. So please do share this episode far and wide, particularly if you know people that you know uh maybe they're experiencing a few obstacles at the moment. And I think this show will go a long way to support them. And your feedback is most welcome. So we're keen to hear about the things you like and equally the things you don't like. So you can find me at paulmyperfectfailure.com. At Or you can find me via the feedback page on the website. So take care for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Perfect
0: Failure Podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.